All right, man, thank you. That was so good. Uh, we can call him Father. Oh, so good. All right, we are in our uh, third week in our sermon series, uh, all about marriage, really all about marriages that uh, in seasons of life find themselves in a lot of difficulties. So if you've been with us, I just want to remind you, one of my hearts behind uh, this series and, and really hopes is that uh, you will begin to build powerful connections with God, that as you begin to see the things going on in your marriage, uh, the principle of this whole series is if there's, if there's stuff that you go, hey, things aren't connecting well, my love doesn't feel like it's on, there's not a lot of you know, acceptance or grace right now, that your impulse would be, it's my responsibility to go and see how my connections with God are doing and what I'm bringing into my marriage. That's kind of been the theme. And so uh, the big idea has been we live from what we have in our relationship from God. We, we live and we represent Jesus from our connection with Jesus. We live from acceptance. We live in the kingdom from love. And so again, when our marriage isn't operating and it seems to be colliding, uh, we, we wanted to bring a, a series that said, what do you do in these moments? Where do you go? Uh, how, do we, how do we live out Hebrews uh, 4.16, which, which just talks about how we come into his presence with our needs boldly to receive, you know, Hebrews 4, you can look it up, says help. So the whole idea of this series is, is our connections with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit really impact our relational life and the healing that he is really excited to do in our lives isn't to, hey, say you're the problem, but it's to show us, here's what's missing in our connection. Here's my perspective of what happened and how you have a hard time relating to Father and how you bring this into your life. He's just in this healing journey with us. And, and uh, man, one of my favorite passages recently has just been uh, Ephesians 2, 6 to 10, where he talks about you've been raised with him and, and you're his workmanship. It's like once you become new, you now get his presence to work on the things that he's working on to prepare you to become a person of love good works prepared, relational works, because that affects how you love. So one of the things we said is, is we, we looked last week at one of the marriage passages in 1 Peter 3, and we looked at this theme of honor, that in the kingdom, submission is a huge, important part. And so when your marriage is in 911, one of the big red flags that's going off is there's no honor in the room. And so if you go to the passages in 1 Peter 3, which we did last week, we learned that in marriage, honor isn't something that we demand or we get, but it's something that we are called to give. So whether it's to, from governors to family to marriage, it's we give it. And so when you're feeling in your marriage not protected or not honored, chances are you're out of alignment with Father God, who is the one who provides us provision, protection, and identity. And so we go with him into that space to learn what, what do you have for me to bring into my marriage. Today we're talking about our connections with Jesus. How does our connections with Jesus uh, shape and, and impact our relationships, specifically our marriages, specifically, uh, you know, in the 911 moment. So let me give you one verse that I just want to begin with about Jesus. And it's John 15, 13. It reads like this, Greater love has no one than this, 
that someone lay down his life for his friends. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have now made known to you. So of all the members of the Trinity, I would say as a pastor, I've seen most Christians relate to and connect with and have greater ease actually praying to Jesus, right? So most of people's prayer lives actually reflect their relationship with the Trinity, but most people say, dear Jesus. And the reason is, is Jesus is really relatable. He's, you know, he communicates, he listens. Uh, You can see Jesus in all four gospels. You can see how he interacts with the broken, with women, uh, with the disciples, with kids. We can see his companionship, his gentleness. You can see his strength, his love, his approachability. People feel really safe around him. He's, He's always so friendly. He always seems to have our best interests in heart. Um, and he does. I, I love him so much. And uh, I'm so thankful for how much he loves me. I, I love how I always, when I'm, when I'm praying and communing with Jesus, I, I love how I always know where I am with him because he never changes, right? The scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's very joyful about that. If you think about this, on your worst day, he is the same towards you than on your best. I just say, what a good friend we have in Jesus. Like what a gorgeous feeling of companionship, you know, to know the one who knows you the most loves you the best. And that's our Jesus. And, and so this morning's base text is all about marriage and Jesus. And so we're going to look at how our communication flows from our communion, our abiding, becoming healed is connected to Jesus and our relationships in our marriages. And the, the way we're going to do that is we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, our base text, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, let me pray, then we'll read it and we'll get into it, all right? All right, big intro. Thank you. Let me pray. Yeah, so Jesus... Would you now come and be really, really close to us as we're listening to you, whether we're alone or with a group or with our own families or with our kids and and we're doing our best to pay attention. Would you now come alongside and, and help us hear from you? I pray we wouldn't merely have your heart or even your principles, but we would, we would feel and, and experience your love for us in what we're hearing. That we would actually receive your love from a place of, we know you accept us because everything that wasn't acceptable, wasn't right, went into you on the cross and died there. So when you rose again, we now live from a new creation. So wherever we're listening right now, we, we are loved as loved as the Father loves you. So Jesus, help us see what you want us to see. Help us love who you love, which is us and our spouse. Give us your vision from this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Ephesians 5. Now let me just remind you, we're not going to do a verse-by-verse uh, study of Ephesians 5. My heart is to pull out what 
what uh, God has put on my heart. When your marriage is in a 911, what are some key principles in Scripture, key principles of the wisdom of Ephesians 5, the principles in Ephesians 5? Um, so, so, so let's look at that. So verse 18, he says this, be filled with the Spirit. He just said, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So just, just note with me, submission doesn't begin with wives. Submission begins with healthy relationships uh, who give honor, submission to one another, showing another this is my joyful life with the Lord. So this means in your marriage, before we get to the wives, the attitude is brought in and applied. The melody of your relationship with Jesus comes into relationship. That's what I've been saying this whole series. The melody of us and our abiding, who we are, comes into our relationship. Submission requires trust and honor, right? We saw that last Week. So let's get to our passage. And remember, we're, we're, we're connecting uh, our relational life with Jesus and how it shows up in our relationships. And so look at what Paul does and how he connects marriage with Jesus. So he says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Right? If Christ is the head, he loves the body as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So when you think about your relationship with Jesus, and, and one of the most, you know, ways that we connect with Jesus is he's relatable. He, he, he is in our lives to bring companionship, communication. And uh, so as I was looking at this passage and, and praying and thinking, okay, this is the heart of this series, um, I felt like I, I, I read verse 29 for the first time in my life. Have you ever had that? You, you know when you're reading your Bible like every day, which you do, um, and if there's, there's sometimes one verse where you know God wants you to have this verse. This is the verse he's saying. Well, in my reading of this passage, this was the verse for us as a church. It was verse 29. Let me put on the screen here. It, this is the verse for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. I, I want to talk about communication in your 911 moments. I want to talk about how it relates to Jesus. 
But I want you to look at this verse really, really close. One more time. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, just as Jesus does you and me. So Jesus nourishes us and cherishes us with actions as if it's himself. He so values himself that he nourishes and cherishes us as he does himself. Right? Look at it again. No one hates his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it. So, so here's, here's the key. There is a value for oneself one has to have for what's going on inside them for, for you to be able to value and understand what's going on inside of others. Let me say that again. Remember, we're in the, we're in the living room, it's 911. We're looking at how the scripture helps us in 911. This text is telling us there's a value for oneself you have to have for what's going in, on inside of you for you to actually be able to value and understand what's going inside of them. So until you value, again, what's going on in your own heart and you believe that it matters and you believe that what you feel, think, and need really, really matters, until you have that, your communication will be fractured. It will be confusing. It will have people kind of going like, I don't know what, you're, what you need. Okay, let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a, a deep conversation with a friend or maybe your spouse or maybe a parent or a sibling and, man, your heart was there to love, like you were... You know, you were putting on love. You had prayed. Um, you, you came into a conversation, and it was, no matter how hard you tried, no matter how much you spent asking questions to understand or graciously get to their heart, or you even asked them, what do you need to feel? They couldn't even know. They didn't even know. They, they were trying. It was so confusing when you were listening to them. No one hates his own flesh, but nurses and cherishes it. So, let me put it this way. It's my responsibility. So you're thinking like this as a spouse. It's, it's one of your spouses. It's, you, it's your responsibility to know what's happening in me and communicate it to your spouse. That's what this is saying. When it comes to communication, it's not okay to expect you to know it, nor will I allow you to assume that you know it. Too many marriages, and, and you, you, you've seen them. You've seen them in your own life. They could have avoided a 911 crash if they paid attention to the side rails, gravel noises of this whole idea of communication isn't about agreeing. The goal of communication isn't about agreeing or who's right. The goal of communication is about understanding. It's about nourishing and cherishing and being able to communicate with the other person how you're going to love them, how they can love you. Not how you're going to, but how they can love you. What's important with you? Let me let me just show you this in scripture. So a lot of the, the uh, you know, counseling type sermons will, will pull in the principles of the Bible. Like, so for example, Proverbs 18, it says this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding. So if you want to be a fool in your marriage, you take no pleasure in understanding. You just want to be right. You, you just need, okay, we need to, we need to agree. Another, another proverb says, Whoever gets sense loves his own soul. That's interesting. He who keeps understanding will discover good. One NIRV says, anyone who values understanding succeeds. So 
I mean, on and on. There's lots of Proverbs. One of my favorite ones is in Jeremiah when it comes to our connections with God. And what I'm trying to say in this series is, is in Jeremiah 9, 24, you can look this up later, but basically the father says, let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. So the goal is understanding. You can go to Philippians 2. So let me, let's just get a little down to earth because that's my heart in this series. When, when a spouse starts thinking, because I'm in this relationship now, I get to tell you about you, right? When you start thinking, this is what you think, and this is what you feel, and let me tell you what you need. No, Mm -mm. that's opinion. So look right at me, couples, I'm I'm really speaking to you, And, and anyone in really healthy relationships, okay? The heart of good information is, is I'm committed to tell you about me at a feelings level. That is the heart of good communications. I am, I am committed to tell you about me at a feelings level. Jesus explained this in Luke 6, 45. He, he really explained a lot. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. The abundance comes out. So if that's true... Let me say this. Do you know what will happen in that kind of marriage and friendship? Trust. Trust is built when you can begin to commune with the goal of understanding because what will happen is you'll create intimacy because you're saying you're allowed to see into me. I am seeing into you. And so if my goal is um, I'm no longer going to bring you my solutions, But my heart is to supply the love and honor that you need as Christ loves the church, as the wives submit to their husbands. You are coming in to lay down your life for the other. I mean, that's the beauty about this passage. It's finding someone you're willing to lay your life down for. Right? And and, and building trust is I value you and you value me as we follow Jesus. That's marriage. So when you understand what the other needs think about this, and you supply as much as you can, you actually bring out the best. You're cultivating connection. You're cultivating oneness. No one hates his own body. Go, you know what? Go one more time to that verse. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So you need to begin with what does loving, so verse 28 What does loving this flesh feel like? Every spouse has to come to a marriage and go, what does loving this flesh feel like and how can I communicate that so that the other can nourish and cherish it? Are you with me on that? Don't don't get lost here. You have to be able to say, this is me. This is how I nourish and cherish me because that's what the scripture says. And so now I'm going to love you how you feel cherished and nourished but we're both valuable in the relationship as we follow Jesus. So, so how do you do this? Okay, well, let me, let me give you the simplest way. In all my studying, I felt, uh, man, this is the best, easiest framework, if you can remember this. So husbands, man, let me just give you a little pointer right now. Grab your phone, write it down. Just write this down. It's on the screen. So here's how you want to communicate. You want to obey Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. So here's what you want to do. You want to be able to say things like this, okay? So here's the principle. I feel an emotion. So I feel afraid when, and then you describe the experience. 
when you're driving this fast, and I need to feel uh, safe with you in the car. Right? You see how that goes? So, so that's responsible communication. Um, I'll, I'll put this example on the screen here. I feel scared when you drive this fast. I need to feel safe and protected when I'm in the car with you. Right? I feel, so you explain the emotion, hurt when you talk to me like that, and I need to feel respected. Okay, now just stay with me for a second. If you can put an opinion in the sentence of how you feel, it's not a feeling, okay? If you can put an opinion, it's not a feeling. Because here's what happens. A lot of married couples, uh, you know, they'll go to retreats or they'll hear a sermon on communication or, and uh, they're like, okay, you know what, let's go. Like, I think we can do this. And, you know, the, the, the wife especially is like, okay, I'm so excited. I just need to tell you how I feel. I just need to share this with you. And, and you'll please listen, right? You're listening? Yeah, babe, I'm listening, man. That, that retreat was so good. I'm listening. Okay. I feel like you're selfish and you're dumb and you're evil. Whew. Okay? Is that, a, is that a feeling? Universal symbol, worship team. No. That's an opinion. Right? Because here's, here's what they got. Well, I feel like you're lazy. And then it's just, and it's gone. Okay, so let's just talk here. Uh, if your feeling sentence is a judgment, pause and go back. Remember, your responsibility isn't to tell them what they feel, what they need to do. Your responsibility is to communicate what you're feeling, and this is really important, what it is you need to feel. That is always missing. Many spouses are really good at going, this is how you make me feel, but they never share, this is how I need to feel. So for example, if the husband's coming home late all the time, and it's always a fight or something like that, but, the, but the, you say, oh, man, you... I just feel like I'm not wanted or I'm not, you know, cherished or I'm not, I'm unnoticed and you make me feel. And then all of a sudden the wife says, you need to start doing this and doing this and doing this and doing this. You're now telling him how to do this. What you need to say is I need to feel heard. I need to feel noticed. I need to feel. And then you leave it. It's up to him to make adjustments to go. Would you feel connected if... Because it's oftentimes unreasonable to expect a certain time every time. Would you feel connected if I texted you throughout the day? Well, yeah, of course. I, let me go and deal with that. Um, would you feel connected if we went for a walk at night after we put all the kids in bed and we just shared each other's day? Well, yeah, I would feel. So you let him or you let her adjust. But if she doesn't or he doesn't know what they need to feel, you, it, it just doesn't go well. Our job is to put on love and manage your own heart to cast out any fear in the relationship. Okay, so l- let me say it this way. I'll give you another example. I feel disrespected when you go on your phone all night, and, right, anyone? Or when you go on your phone all night and you just need to keep working and I need to feel important to you. So you don't say, I need you to get off your phone or I need you to do something. You don't say that. 
because you don't control them. You share you, and if they have their love on and are understanding, they could say to you, man, I really respect that you're saying that. I know I go on my phone a lot. Would you be okay if I went and spent some time with Jesus? Because I don't know why I need my phone. But I think what's happening is I actually feel more value at work when they see that I'm connected. And you're not a priority to me anymore. And I I need to figure out why that is. I'm actually scared about our finances. I think that's what's going on. Do you see what's happening in that? You're sharing, this is how I'm feeling. And then, you know, your spouse would probably say, oh, interesting, I didn't know you felt alone. You're both, you're, both of your goal is understanding. Both of your goal isn't to you give me what I need to feel loved or else. It's how do we both love one another as we're both following Jesus? How do we both lay down our lives to serve one another? That's the heart of Ephesians as Christ, as the church. So let me ask you this. What do you do when you're like in the, in the, in the thick of it? What, if you, what do you do when you're in this constant conflict and disagreement? Colossians 3.14, memorize this verse. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That is your response. When you're in war, your only responsibility, according to Jesus in this text, in relational life in Ephesians 5, is to put on love. Your goal is always connection. Now, next week, we'll talk about boundaries. This doesn't mean that you allow them to bring everything into your life. That's, that you require respect, responsibility, the closer that they get with you. But your love and call is to keep this love on. And then you share what you feel. You don't need to allow them. If it becomes disrespectful, you can say, we'll talk about this later because this is, I don't allow that into me. I actually really value what's here and it's worth protecting. You need to share those kinds of things. But, but my goal is connection. Take all the time you need. I love you. W- what's happening is you need to communicate, I value me. The Lord values me. I value you. I value what you think, and I value what I think. That's Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. Literally, if you just study that verse, it's saying you value you, you'll value others. The way you value you is how you'll value others. The way you see Jesus value you because he loves the church it's all there. That's hard though. So, but let me say this, that mindset has to stay on. And if it's not working, you need to pause and say, I'm not firing on all cylinders. And here's where we're going to Jesus, okay? So now, this, I want you to hear, this is the most important thing I wanna communicate in this, in this series. What matters most in your relational disconnections is your relational connection with the Trinity. You have to hear what I'm trying to say. So, Here's what you do. You just explain that. I'm not firing on all cylinders. I'm taking a lot of pain right now. I think there's a disconnection in my connection with the Trinity. Can, you, we, can we have some time? Of course. So you go away and you bring this to Jesus. Jesus. What lies am I believing about you? that still need to be disempowered, that I'm carrying in all my anger and how I need to be right. What's the lie? 
He doesn't hear you, okay? That's, when did I learn this lie? Don't be surprised if the Father God supplies protection, provision, and identity, Jesus, out of his own words, provides friendship and, and family, brother. So don't be surprised when a moment with your siblings comes to mind and you felt betrayed or a friendship was torn and it comes to mind. For most of us, the, the human relationship that mirrors how we relate to Jesus is actually siblings and friends. In Hebrews 12, if, if you want a verse to go to, from, from Hebrews 2, actually 12 to 17, talks about this connection where he calls us brothers. So let's say this, if you grew up with friends or siblings who weren't there for you, who actually weren't for you, were actually abusive in your life and they wouldn't communicate and they weren't loving and they weren't safe and they weren't respectful and they weren't responsible, chances are when you pray and you connect, you actually don't begin with Jesus. Chances are if you had a really bad upbringing with siblings or friends, you don't start with dear Jesus. It's always father or spirit. And so chances are as you come into your marriage, some abilities to have safe communication and access and connection actually started probably with childhood and siblings and friends. And if, you're, if your connections with your siblings and friends were all about competition, some lies were formed. So imagine this conversation. Husbands, look right at me. Imagine your wife comes to you and she says, hey, hubby, like, I think the reason why I need to be right a lot is because in prayer, I realized my sister had my dad's affection. And if I could be right, I could feel like I was valuable to him. And I actually didn't realize how much I invalidate like everyone's feelings around me. And I had to repent of that sin. But in my connection with Jesus, that came to my mind because my sister always had something contradicting. She always had a comment. She always had an accusation. And I never felt that anyone ever wanted to understand my perspective. And so I just, I, I invalidate everyone because I believe the lie that I'm not worth hearing. I didn't know that was happening inside of me. Wow, babe, thanks for sharing that. You know what, it's so cool. Jesus showed me in that memory that he was actually listening. And I forgave her today. You forgave your sister? Yeah, I even called her. We talked about all these moments in our childhood and we forgave each other. I can't believe I haven't done that. I'm so thankful that I have a friend like Jesus. And, and then Jesus showed me that he actually knows what it's like to be disregarded by his own people. And, and John 1 came to mind, like he came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. And Jesus showed me that he actually relates to me. And, and then actually 1 Peter 5 came to mind. He said, cast all your anxieties on me because I care about you. Anyhow, there was a lot more with Jesus, but can I share with you, hubby, when I come to the conversation with an attempt to get you to agree with my judgments, especially about you, I just, I never realized I was like creating an environment of distrust and anxiety. You always feel anxious around me, don't you? Yes. I am so sorry. I didn't, listen, like this is gonna take some time, but I wanted you to hear what's going on inside of me. It's my responsibility to tell you about me. Husbands, can you imagine what will happen in your soul 
the kind of Christ-filling compassion for your wife. All of a sudden, the way Jesus loves her in that moment, you will love her with her love. But that was release in your marriage when she began to show you the disconnection with Trinity, which started from the lies and the misunderstandings that Jesus can now repair. Wives, look right at me. Can you imagine how scary that conversation will be? Can you imagine the vulnerability it would take to tell your husband how much you invalidated everyone's feelings around you? Man, you would be so brave. But can you imagine the acceptance, the kind of release and the freedom your companion and friend Jesus would just be releasing over you? Daughter, daughter of, of your heavenly father, you're powerful. The Lord did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. You can do that. Sure, this is the most vulnerable way to communicate. I'm telling you what he's healing inside me. When a husband and wife begins to connect with God and share their connection without any judgment, the union, the oneness, the unity, the romance, the all the lights will start turning on. Because that's Ephesians 5. But we read those verses with our own lenses of like, well, this is what I need, so you better submit, or this is what I need, you better love, and wrong, wrong, wrong way to look at that text. There's a great pastor who calls this the dance. If you're, um, let, me, let me say it this way though. Some of you may need to go back to the drawing board. Some of you have been married maybe 15 years, 10, and in year like, or six months, you learned how your spouse feels loved. So you learned the five languages. You've learned six months in, oh, she's, she's words of affirmation and service. Or, or, or he's, he's quality time and gifts. But you don't know that anymore. Some of this communication needs to be, this is how I feel loved again. Okay, James, I'm, I am uncomfortable in this sermon series because I actually don't love my spouse still. <laughs> okay. That's, I'm really sorry. Like, that's a really weird and tough, stuck place to be. And James, I have tried this feeling stuff. I'm, I'm, I am done. <laughs> I've shared more times with my spouse how I feel loved and they do nothing. And when they do something, it's like, meh. You're just doing it because I just told you. What do I do? I just want to begin by saying, um, Song of Solomon, if you want a verse, again, I want to keep giving you scripture to, to show you where I get a lot of this. Uh, Song of Solomon talks about the marriage like a, a garden. It talks about foxes that kind of wreck the garden. And um, it describes marriage as like a garden that you cultivate. You become a good farmer. You're supposed to catch the foxes and you're actually supposed to produce a lot of fruit in the marriage. So let me, let me why are you saying this, James? It's not helpful. Well, let me tell you, both spouses 
if their love is on, they understand that they have to come to a marriage, yes, with needs. You should feel loved in your marriage. Yes, with needs and to, pers- to you, you come with the goal to lay down your life to participate in meeting needs as you both follow Jesus. That's got to be in there. Oneness, meeting needs. But let me say it this way. It's, it's an economic principle and true in the kingdom that each must garden their own garden. They each must have fruit and be healthy to continue offering to the other for the garden to flourish. If your garden, let me say it this way, if your garden, what you bring has foxes, has, has like uh, fantasies and, and different things that you're allowing in because of your tiredness with this person, and it has, has not a few plants that are unhealthy, you have to get food from somewhere. And oftentimes, a spouse with a garden that's not being cultivated will just keep pulling fruit from their garden and go, you better give me this fruit. You better keep growing your fruit because I'm hungry. And the more you just start eating from your spouse's garden because you haven't cultivated yours, well, I have cultivated mine. Okay, let me say this. If you haven't experienced any of the homework yet, you haven't. because you're not willing. Not going after these lies, not taking care of your garden, renouncing what shouldn't be there and receiving what's true about who you are and how much the Trinity loves you and wants to release for you. Refusing to own what this series is saying is not taking care of yourself. And let me say this, that puts you in a powerless position of trying to get those around you to meet your needs without being able to offer anything in return. And if you're there, that's okay. That's okay, and here's why it's okay. The Father accepts you fully. He doesn't look at, he sees you on your worst days if it was your best. But he's gonna sit down next to you while you're crying and feeling helpless and he's just gonna be there with you. And when you're ready, he's gonna say, do you wanna look at this with me? And then all you have to ask him is this one question. What do you want me to see? And he's going to tell you how much he loves you. He's going to tell you that you're valuable. And for some reason, that'll make it harder. Because you want them to see that. You want them to give you their garden. But until you pull in Ephesians 28 and 29 with him and start seeing the value he sees when he sees you and you see you're worth it enough to protect and to be loved, but you keep bringing toxic out, then you got to go with him. You have to figure that out. You, and listen, there's no hurry, but here's what you do. You do what the example was with the hubby. You start You say, Jesus, what lie am I believing about you? When did I learn this lie? 
Do it with someone else. If you have a hard time hearing God's voice or you don't believe you can, do it with someone who actually believes you can hear God's voice. And then find those connections and share them with your husband or wife. Share them. This is what I'm learning. I think I bring this in. I think that this is how I view you. And it's not fair, and I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? Healing. Healing. It's like a chiropractor for your soul. Each adjustment, and the father knows exactly where the adjustment needs to be, will fix some stuff. I, I guarantee it. Because he's alive. He just does this. You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So guess who's been working on you, if Philippians 2 says, Jesus. I'm so excited about this for us, sure. Because he really, really loves you. Okay, so homework time. I'm going a little longer. Homework time. I only have one homework piece for you. Uh, the communing with the Trinity is really up to you. I, I, I don't want to push that as homework because if you're not willing to talk to God about your life, you're actually not willing to go to Hebrews 4.16, which is you're actually boldly approaching him with your need and expecting he has grace to help and mercy to give you. That's a whole different issue. I don't even want to go there for homework. But here's what I want to go for homework. Um, the homework that I have for you is this framework. The key for you in this framework will be to first, before you go to your spouse, do you know what you feel? Because most often, if you grew up and everything was against you and accusations were hurled at you, you know what you don't like about other people. You're good at going, I don't like when you talk. I don't like this. I don't like your tone. I don't like your, I don't like your neglect. I don't like you. That's, that's okay. Start there, but ask Ask Jesus to help you discover your emotions. Read Ephesians 5, 28 and 29. Say, I can't, your, your word says no one hates themselves, and I actually do, so um, help me see what you see when you see me. But before you go to your spouse, you need to f figure out what do you feel? What is it in your spouse right now that God is highlighting in your marriage? Because there's a reason we're doing this marriage series. There's a reason we're in this series. So you know the reason for your marriage. And so what you need to do is go, what are the things that I know the Spirit is saying, ding, ding, this is the thing, but you gotta first know what's going on in you. And then you have to know what is a common experience when this feeling is starting, and then you need to ask the Lord. This is really key in your relationship, and you can even ask your own heart, that's fine, but it's deceitful above all things. But you can ask the Lord with your heart, what do I need to feel? Once you can communicate that, it's your responsibility. You're no longer a victim. This is the last day you're a victim if you can communicate. So you're no longer a victim. You need to find space to then get with Jesus because some of this, what you need to feel, maybe only Jesus can fully supply. It's not unrealistic to expect your husband or wife to supply some of that because that's love as you both follow Jesus. That's oneness. That's the goal of laying down your life for someone, as Ephesians says, and submitting and all that. But this is really key. If you don't want to get any more 911s, you have to learn, to learn to do this really, really well. Tell them what you need to feel. But first, go on that prayer walk if you believe in it. If you don't, that's fine. Talk to a friend in a community group. Um, but when you go to your spouse... However the Lord opens that door, 
And men, I encourage you to take the lead on this. Um, first, share your experience with prayer or your experience in community group or with a, you know, a trusted friend or your parent or whoever. And share what you think is going on inside of you. Let them see into you. It's risky because they might be like, ha-ha, I knew it. I knew it came from your mom. She's terrible. Like, no, if, if your husband reacts like that, that's, you, that's not for you. If you need to walk away and be like, I'm not bringing that in, um, that's fine. But then, then you just got to get some warm space, preferably under the covers where you can see each other's eyes and just share. I need to feel. And just when you hear that spouse, uh, it's, it's possible that spiritual conflict will come into your life immediately. It's possible that as soon as you hear the spouse say, I need to feel um, accepted or, or heard, you're going to feel you're a failure. Stop it. This isn't about you. you th- your love's not on. If you can't hear, this is what she needs to feel, you have to be strong enough in your acceptance with how the Father loves you that you can now ask her questions relate to her, tell her, I'm so thankful you're telling me what's inside you. I knew you needed to feel that. I feel sometimes like I don't know how to do that, but will you give me time? I'm going to go talk to the Lord, and we'll talk about it. Yes, or hey, would, would you give me some more space to think about how I can better make you feel this? Yes, great, good night. Oh, my, wait, it's my turn. Okay, your turn. You do it. Hey, do you want to uh, shut off the lights? Sure. That's a good night. Let's pray. Father, just thank you so much for this time to talk about your love, to experience Jesus with us. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that what was shared would just come with so much power that it would not only be heard but experienced in marriages. I pray for bravery. I pray for responsibility to increase. I pray we'd really own what the Bible teaches us about marriage. In Jesus' name, amen.